you for your, again, thank you for your faithfulness to, in prayer and support of, your, of my family and I. We are just, Saipan itself is a neighboring island of Palau, and we, it's, it's about 1,200 miles north of, uh, of where we are. And you think, wow, that seems pretty far. Well, out in the Pacific, that's pretty close. <laughs> close islands, they're pretty far away. They're spread out. And, and so uh, Saipan itself is considered it's part of the United States. Uh, it's like a trust territory. However, Palau is its own independent country, which if you know where Guam is, it's about 500, uh, sorry, it's about 1,000 miles south of Guam. If you know where the Philippines is, the biggest island in the Philippines is Mindanao, go about 500 miles east of there, you'll reach the islands of Palau. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. One of the ministry ideas and the directions we're looking to work with uh, is to continue the work that in the church that my dad started, uh, was able to do, continue to teach the, le the leaders. Uh, our goal is to eventually one day to train uh, pastors, teachers, for them to take over that work. And we've already had some invitations to go to the northern tip of the main island of Palau to potentially start another church. Uh, we're looking to start with in-home Bible studies, lead people to the Lord, and as more come to know Christ, start another church on the northern tip of that main island. The third uh, area of ministry that we're hoping, I really am looking forward to and, and to continue doing is a radio ministry. We've already had two radio stations that says, if you will provide material, we will broadcast it on the radio for free. And so it's like, we want to take advantage of that. Because sometimes you can't get into homes, you can't reach people, you know, pass out tracks, try and sit down and have a Bible study. But just about everybody is sitting down listening to the radio. And so this, in a sense, you'd have a captive audience uh, a couple times during the week. So these are different areas that we're looking to be able to get back into. And we need your prayers. My family and I, when, we, when I left, you, as many of you know, I was single. I was by myself. Well, since then, God has blessed me with a wife and four wonderful children. And when I left, I left with enough support to support myself and to get married. My support has stayed the same. Now I've got, so I'm needing to raise my support. I'm needing, I'm needing to just partner with more churches to be able uh, to go back. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying, please pray with me that I'm able to raise the extra support that is needed. I know God, God will provide, but that is a, a major prayer request that I'm hoping to get answered this next year. Uh, does anybody have any questions? Give, give an opportunity, give an update. I know some people are asking, well, what is that thing you're carrying? Well, this is a, not a harpoon gun. This is a spear gun. This is like the island version of a fishing pole. So you're not guessing what's the end of your line. You can put on a mask, a snorkel. You can dive down, pick out your fish, shoot it, bring it back up. If you enjoy hunting, you would enjoy this. If you can hold your breath and know how to swim. <laughs> Uh, some of the guys that I've had the opportunity of, of learning this from, they can hold their breath sometimes four or five minutes. It's, it's, it's amazing. And this particular one is a small one. This is a nighttime spear gun because at night uh, you can uh, take your uh, waterproof flashlight, you shine it in the fish's eyes and they freeze. So you can get it pretty close and get them. But your daytime spear gun is going to be about double this length. And it usually has like a runner right here with a string connected to it so you won't lose your spear. And what they usually do is they'll, they'll see a fish in the distance, they'll dive down and swim on the ocean floor to try and sneak up on the fish. Because I tell you what, if you're trying to dive down about 30 feet and the fish, the fish will see you coming, get out of there. <laughs> but it's pretty neat to be able to go out there. I've had the privilege of, of going spearfishing and getting involved. Uh, 
just spent a lot of time with it. I remember one day, uh, one evening actually, I was out spearfishing. Nighttime, we'd, we'd swam out from the shore, and I was, didn't hardly catch anything. I was starting to head back. It would be about a 30-minute swim back to, to where, back to shore where I was getting back. And following the reef, I caught a couple of a small fish. And I'm just like, oh, there's nothing, nothing out here tonight. I look back with my light, and I see about a five-foot shark following me. And I'm like, uh, I, need to get to, I need to get to shallower water. Well, I'm swimming back. And for about 15 minutes, I keep looking back, and I see this, this shark that's following me. And I was starting to panic a little bit. It's pitch black. I'm out there. My, my, my partner's already gone back to shore. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting scared. Then I'm like, what am I doing? I have a spear gun. I can bring back a five-foot shark. I turn around to go chase that shark. A shark got out of there. Didn't see him again. I'm like, man, I'm swimming here afraid of this thing. And I could have brought it back. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes, how many times are we like that? We're afraid of the things around us when we don't realize that we already have the answer in our hand. Amen. Amen? We have something that protects us. We have something that we can rely upon that can say, hey, I don't need to be afraid of this. This could be an opportunity. This evening I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37. A lot of the times we are just like I was. We feel like we're swimming in the dark, afraid of something that's following you. I tell you what, if, if uh, going nighttime spearfishing spear can be quite the challenge if you are afraid of the dark or if you get spooked easy because you, you will swim between reefs at times where you see nothing. It's just pitch black water and the best, some of the best times to go out spearfishing is during the new moon because there's no light. And it's because it's so dark, when you shine that light in the fish's eyes, they can't see you coming. You see them, you can get right up close and get them. But if you go during other times, especially like the new moon, well, they can see you coming and they, they keep their distance. Or it's, uh, the full moon and stuff like that. Uh, you, then during the full moon, that's a good time to go crabbing and go, uh, go pick up other creatures that are moving and, and uh, you make some pretty good uh, soups and some other stuff. So, of course, you know, they do a lot with the ocean out there. Uh, interesting, culturally speaking, I'm sure the men might appreciate this, the men, culturally speaking, go fishing, and the women do the farming. Sound good? Amen? Men? Yeah? <laughs> Let's go, yeah. <laughs> but what it is, the men will, will focus on bringing in the, the starch, and the women, I mean, the, men, the women will be bringing in the starch, and the men will be bringing in the protein. And they do a lot with, you know, with their canoeing, spearfishing, uh, netting. They do a lot of different stuff. And uh, it's pretty neat. Um, I had learned how interesting the, the reef can be with, with the abundance of food. One of the ladies in our church, we had gone during low tide. That's the only place I've been that I've seen that drastic of a low tide. We get about a six-foot foot tide change. So it's... For instance, you, the water will be right up on the shore uh, during high tide, but then at low tide, you could walk for 15, 20 minutes before you reach the reef. It's almost dry. It's, it drops a lot. And at one, one of the low tide one day, we got out, and she said, hey, yeah, come on, I'll show you what, some of the things you can get. We walked out for her. She was looking for a particular clam. And it's probably about this big, probably, yeah, about the size of my Bible. 
a pretty big clam. She stuck down, stuck her knife in it, cut it out, and it's still moving. She pulls it over, and this guy had like a knot on the back, and she cut it off and said, here, you got to try this. I'm like, that thing's still alive in your hand. And you're, oh, I'm like, okay, well, I'll try it. But it was really good. It was kind of sweet. I'm like, huh, who'd have knew? Because they, they, they have out there a giant clam, sometimes four or 500 pounds. I mean, huge clams that they can do, uh, that they, they do different kind of stuff with. Uh, can you imagine the clam chowder you could make with that? <laughs> but uh, uh, other interesting things they, they like to eat off the reef. Have you ever heard of sea cucumber? Uh, they have sea cucumber. They, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll cook it, they'll fry it. They'll just, I've eaten the creature itself where they usually will uh, pressure cook it for about five hours. Then they'll cut it up into like little jello cubes and then they'll stir fry it. It's pretty good. I had that. I was like, I didn't even know what it was when I ate it. I went, huh. It absorbed the sauces and flavors of the, what it was cooked in. And I'm like, well, this is really good. And the reason that shocked me so much, because they have another delicacy with a different sea cucumber, that they get it, they cut it open, they scrape out the guts, they put it back together, put it back in the ocean, and the delicacy is the guts. And I tell you what, that is the most disgusting thing I had ever eaten. It was super fishy and just, ugh. I'm like, that's your delicacy, you enjoy that, it's terrible, I hate it. <laughs> But you just you learn to try different things, to be open to, to exploring. And uh, I, I remember being back here when I tried some local meats when they had the, the New Year's uh, uh, meat party. I think, oh, that was neat. That was really neat. I get to try some American unique meats. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to what I was we're preaching on this evening. Open your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 37. And just like I was talking about earlier about being afraid of that shark, so too, here in Psalms chapter 37, verse 1, it brings across, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down and wither as, as, uh, like the grass. Sorry, soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Let's take a moment in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the strength and the, the comfort that you offer us. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we study your word, I pray, help us to not be living in fear and fretful, but instead, Father, take on these other promises that we see in your word. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Another modern day word that we have for the word fret is worry. Yep, got it? You, you know, here it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. You know what evil people are, you know what they're going to do? Evil things. That's who they are. That's you know, those who are followers of the Lord are going to follow the Lord. Those who are, those are uh, their father, Satan, as Jesus Christ put it, they're going to, they're going to follow their, the, what he says to do. And here it says, fret not. Don't worry what evil people are going to do. It's very easy for us to think, oh, no, what's going to happen in the next election? Oh, no, what's, what's the governor going to do? What's this? What? It's so easy for us to worry and to fret about what evil is going to happen and what things are going to happen around us. And clearly we see in the scriptures it says, don't worry about it. Therefore, if we find ourselves worrying about it, you know what we're doing? We're sinning. If the Bible says don't do something and we do it, it's wrong. Amen? So it says here, fret not thyself because of evildoers. And then it goes on to the next thing. It says, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Don't desire to be like them. Don't desire, well, you know, they got away with it. Well, I wish I, wish I could do that sort of thing. Don't desire, don't, don't want to say, hey, well, we can go down to the same level as them. We, we want to, we wish we could be like that. No. First of all, don't worry about it. 
and don't desire to be like them. What are we to do instead? We realize what's going to happen to them. They are going to get their punishment. Like Pastor Jacob's preached about it this morning, we may not always see the judgment of God. We want the judgment of God to happen immediately. No, God doesn't work on our timetable. God doesn't do the things that we want him to do. No, his ways are his ways, and we just got to trust in him and continue to follow what he says will happen. Because God is merciful. Amen. God is loving. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the end is still the end. If they don't accept Jesus Christ, if they're not repent of their sins, as it says here, they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Our life is here. We're here, but for a moment in the perspective of eternity, we have to make sure we're following Christ. Verse 3 says, what, instead of worrying about, what's, we, worrying about the world around us, instead we need to trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. I can't read this part about trusting the Lord without bringing across one of my favorite verses, my favorite passages, which is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, which says, trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Is that what it says? No, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, meaning things are going to happen in this world around you. That's, don't rely on your experience. Don't rely on your education. Don't rely on what you think should happen. No. Rely on the Lord. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Do you realize that God is still God and that he is in charge of everything? That nothing just happens that he didn't know about it? That when we, we're like, oh, how could this happen? Or what's going on? Wait, God knew. Amen. It's for me to take a step back and go, Father in heaven, Take a moment in prayer. Say, I need to turn back to God. Well, okay, you know what's going on. You, 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 you know why this has happened. Okay, I'm going to trust in you. And when those things happen, we can say, we'd see that next part of the verse says, and he shall direct thy paths. I love the fact that God at any time, I can go to him in prayer. I can seek his guidance and direction specifically. It's out of, I've been around some Christians that says, well, you know, uh, you just got to pray for open doors. You got to just, just, just keep going forward in life. Yes, we need to keep going forward. But you know what? We also serve a God that we can pray specifically to and get specific answers to prayer. We don't have to wonder in the dark and hope and what ifs and maybes. No, we can pray specifically and get specific direction of the Lord. I love that. Because how many times are you afraid of, of what choices I'm making? How many of you are afraid of oh, what, what school you're going to go to, what job, what, what's going to happen, how am I going to provide for my family, how, how, how? Wait. I can go to the Lord in prayer and seek his specific direction and say, God, what would you have me to do? And he shall direct thy paths. I love adding verse number seven to that verse because uh, in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, I always like to add verse 7 because sometimes we reach that point where we do trust in the Lord. Where we find ourselves saying, hey, okay, God, I'm trusting the Lord. Lord is directing my path. All right, I know what to do now. I'm going. Wait, verse 7 says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Once you know what God wants you to do, you keep trusting the Lord. You keep saying, God, okay, uh, help me to stay away from the wrong thing so I can keep going the path you want me to go on. Back to Psalms 37, verse, eight, verse 3 said, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, 
and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. How many have desires tonight? Hmm, just about all, all, every single one. Yeah, I got some. You know, do you realize that God wants to provide the desires of your heart? But so many times we see, sadly, in this, this, the, uh, this generation of name it and claim it and this, this easy, oh, you just got to do this or that. You know, t- put your hand on the screen and send me 50 bucks and your, your dreams will come true. <laughs> Sad, we see a lot of this. Here we see God is like is the Bible compares it to our heavenly father. He wants to provide for our, uh, our desires. But first, we have to trust in him. Amen? Secondly, it says delight thyself also in the Lord. What do you think of the word delight? What does that mean? To enjoy, to, to find pleasure in, right? It says, delight thyself in the Lord. Do you delight in doing the things that God has told you to do? Prime example, do you delight in going to church? Young people that are here this evening, do you delight in obeying your mom and dad? <laughs> Here it says, delight thyself in the Lord, to find pleasure in doing the things that God has told you to do. Do you realize when you go to the New Testament, I'm reminded as I read this passage, I am reminded of the disciples who they went. They were on the street preaching. They were telling people about Jesus Christ. And they were, uh, the, uh, the religious leaders that came, captured them, beat them, threw them in jail. Then when the next day when, he let them, when they let uh, the disciples loose, they went to a neighboring house, a Christian that was in the area. And you know what they were saying and praying about? They said, we thank God that we were found worthy to be beaten for Christ. We, that, that, that breaks my heart every time I read that passage of Scripture because it's like, oh, how many times do I complain? How many times do I find myself that, oh, life is hard around me, or I can't get this or that, or why are things happening? Here the disciples were sharing Christ. They got beaten, thrown into jail unjustly. And yet they can go back and pray and say, God, thank you that you found me worthy to be beaten for you. Do you find yourself delighting in the Lord? Hmm? Do you find yourself delighting or like too often we find ourselves complaining, Amen. bickering, murmuring? And all of us know God doesn't like that. It's our human self that we have to say, hey, no, I am not going to do that. God, help me to live. Help me to delight in this world around me. Because I know you're in charge. There's a reason you brought this across. Help me to delight in you. Which brings me to verse number five, which says, commit. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When we find ourselves struggling in the world around us, we find ourselves facing those difficulties we need to stay committed. One thing I've noticed that, that happened during COVID, it's like COVID drew a line in the sand. And it says, are you going to serve me or are you going to make excuses? Are you going to serve me or are you going to have faith in the Lord or are you going to not? Because God knew. God, God, COVID didn't surprise God. But it did a lot of people and it made people afraid. And, and, and what's going to happen? And oh, no. And, hey, stop. One thing that I like to share with our people down there, don't be afraid of this invisible virus. Fear the invisible God who's in control of everything. And if you get sick, God knows. Maybe God wants you to be a witness to that doctor, that nurse. Maybe God has a purpose. No, not maybe. God does have a purpose for you. Trust in him. 
Because you can be as safe as you can. You, you'll wear all the protective gear, take all the vitamins, and get all the shots, and you still get sick and die. Amen. God is in control. We have to trust in him. This, this, this stuff didn't, didn't surprise God none, but it did make it clear those who are going to serve him, those who are going to make excuses. Those who are saved and say, I, I'm trusting the Lord, and those who I doubt a lot of times if they're saved or not. We have to stay committed, Christians. One of the things that really challenged our people down in the islands is, like you heard from the video, uh, four weeks, they were, they were telling everybody, oh, half the island could die. This is going to be such a bad virus. And we're like, you know what, okay. Uh, they, they begin to shut things down. Okay, Lord, what would you have us do? Uh, following the Lord, we ended up just moving to online Bible studies for about four weeks. And then after four weeks, we're like, where's all these sick people that were supposed to happen? Well, where's everybody that was going to die? At that time, I think we had one person that died of COVID. You know, he was already in the intensive care. He was on dialysis. He was over 60 years old, had all kinds of health issues. All of a sudden, they died. Oh, it's COVID. Freak out. And it's like, okay, okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. But then after four weeks, we open back up and says, look, everybody, we're going to keep trusting in God. God says, forsake not the assembly. We need to get back together. And we had some special visitors that Sunday, too. We had the police and the COVID task force show up <laughs> and tell us, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to meet trying to shut us down. And I tell you what, that was, at first, I was, I was shocked. I was like, oh, they're here. <laughs> I'm like, what are we going to do? But then I'm, I felt my blood pressure starting to get up. It's like, we, are we, because Saipan is considered part of America. You know, so we have the freedom to, to meet. We have this and that. And they came close to the end of our service. So we were, we were wrapping up by the time they showed up. But thank the Lord, uh, our men came together and we, we were able to calm down the situation. We ended up praying with them before they left and it, it, they left peacefully, no, no issues, which was nice. But we told them we're going to keep meeting together. You know, tr Trump has, has said that churches are an essential service. We're going to keep meeting. Well, says, you're not allowed to. I said, I said well, we're going to. We're going to keep continuing. We're going to meet back here on Wednesday. I thought, okay, we'll be back. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but thankfully, the governor, between Sunday and Wednesday, he also declared churches an essential service, and they didn't come back. But one thing that, that them showing up did, it, 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 it shook the backbone and said, what are you going to do? Are you willing to go to jail? Are you willing to be arrested for Jesus Christ? Because we're doing, we're, we're not going to fight the government. We're not going to be, you know, rebels. Oh, we're going to go do this. No, we're continuing to serve Christ. And it's not a, like we heard this morning, it's not a building. The early church met from house to house. And I foresee a time in the future where that's going to come back, come back to truth. It's coming back here to America. And in, chi in China right now, you can look up uh, that they're still have, having to meet. The, the ones that are preaching the gospel, who are teaching what's right, still have to meet secretly in house churches. Because it goes against the gov government. They, they say it's not right. You're not allowed to do that. There is no freedom of religion there. I bring this across and says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. We have to stay committed, Christians, not only to continue serving Christ, but we also have to stay committed to carrying the gospel to this lost and dying world around us. It's, it's too easy for us to say, oh, it's too hard. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Hey, you've got church staff here that would love to sit down with you, would love to be your partner, to say, come on, let's, let's go talk to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, those around you. We'd love to. Don't feel like you're the only one having to do it by yourself. Jesus, when he sent out his disciples to, to, to carry the gospel around, you know, he never sent them out by themselves. 
We always send them out two by two. So I encourage you, grab somebody. Say, hey, I need a prayer partner. I need, I need somebody to back me up. Come on, let's go talk to my friend. Let's go, let's, let's go tell them about Jesus. It's so easy for us just to talk about the weather, how things are happening. And then we, we get that tickle in the back of our mind. You know, maybe we should ask them about Jesus. Maybe, maybe we should. And we find ourselves steering clear of that. Christians, we need to make a conscious effort to ask people, do you know Jesus? Amen. Do you know him? Because it doesn't matter how good or how bad the weather is. If you don't know Jesus, one day you're going to burn. Now, of course, we don't start off with that one. It scares off a lot of people. But it is a reality to which we need to bring it across. Because people, all of us, have a knowledge of sin. We bring it back to the Ten Commandments. We bring it back to say, hey, do you know that there is forgiveness that is offered through Jesus Christ? Stay committed. One of the reasons I had brought this up here is also, it's, it's, it makes for a great illustration. One of the times I was out spearfishing, and uh, it was during the day, I saw a school of fish, and they were starting to get closer and closer together. I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if I could get two fish at one time? You know, shoot, shoot my spear and get two of them. So I loaded up my spear gun, I aimed right into that ball of spear, I shot. You know how many fish I got? Nothing. You know why I didn't get anything? I wasn't aiming anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, aim small, miss small. But if I was aiming for that ball of fish and I shot into it, didn't get a thing because I wasn't aiming for anything. I was just shooting in there hoping to get it. You know, when you're out hunting, shooting a deer, what happens if you just shoot in the forest? What you gonna get? A tree. <laughs> you know how much us as Christians the same way? When we want to reach somebody for the gospel, we need to aim. We need to pick somebody. We need to, you know, make a conscious effort. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And, and go in and, and, and shoot for the mark. Amen? God called us to be fishers of men. And yes, a lot of times we hear about the, the big harvest of people that came in or they brought in a big uh, casting net. You know what? That was, that was the disciples that were trained by Jesus Christ. Christians, don't be looking to bring in a huge harvest. Look to reach one. Just one. Share how do you know for sure that you're saved. And then try to reproduce yourself into somebody else. One of the things that we have found that very effective down the islands is one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. Just sitting down with them, opening up the Bible together, sitting down, spending hours, day after day after day. Hey, do you know Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say? Let's open up the Bible and read it together. And we found that's been some of the most effective that has been able to bring people to know Jesus Christ. We have to stay committed to sharing the gospel. My family and I are committed. We're gonna, after we finish our after we finish our furlough, excuse me, we're going to be going back back to Palau and to continue sharing the gospel. I hope for churches like here in Anchor that each of you will stay committed to sharing the gospel, because. No feel-good organization, no charity organization, nobody else in the entire world was given the responsibility to share the gospel than Jesus' church. They're the only ones. Yes, there's a lot of good things that can be done through the church, but our number one thing that God told us to do is go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things. First, we go out, we lead them to the Lord, then we bring them in to get baptized, and we continue to preach and to teach them how they can grow as a Christian. We cannot quit, because 
Who's going to teach them the gospel if the church doesn't? I know. Our public schools, right? <laughs> no. Oh, our government will do it, right? We'll continue to promote the church and help them out, right? No. Christians, we have to stay committed to not only growing ourselves, but also to sharing the gospel. I like how this verse continues. It talks about, don't worry. Trust in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. Commit thy way into the Lord. Then we see, verse 6, it says, And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. There's that word again. Fret not thyself because of him that prospereth in his way, because of the man that bringeth wicked devices to pass. Instead of worrying, we need to patiently wait on the Lord. We need to trust in him and then find rest in that. There's a lot of stress in this world around us, amen? I tell you what, being in the islands, the fast pace of life is not there like it is here. It's island time. If you get one thing done a day, you're doing pretty good. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's just the, the mentality, it's just the way it is down there that things are a lot slower. And then, when you, of course, you think, well, why, why couldn't we be faster? Well, simply put, it's, that's just the, the way it is. And secondly, things take a lot longer to get there. Being on an island, things take three to six months to get there. If you see something in this store, get it, because it won't be back again in, for three to six months, if you see it again. <laughs> so things end, tend to be a lot slower. And, and here we need to find ourselves, instead of worrying and stressing out about what's going to happen, who, what, where, oh, I, rest in the Lord. And here it says, and wait patiently for him. Go with me to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. I love that aspect of patience that it brings across here. And James chapter one tells, uh, brings across another aspect of this that I absolutely love. Because when you hear the word patience, what do you think of? Oh, you hear that old old saying, don't pray for patience. You know what's going to happen. Hard times are going to come. Too many times we get the wrong idea of patience. God says we need to have patience. It's part of the uh, fruit of the spirit that's supposed to be part of who we are. Here, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Remember earlier I mentioned, delight thyself in the Lord. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. We need to find joy. It says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Hard times are going to come. Difficult times are going to come. Jesus Christ himself said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Don't think, oh, why, why is this happening? Oh, why, why? wait. When you got saved, you, you got a new enemy. You joined the army of the Lord, so to speak. God says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the fiery darts of the wicked. And here it says, count it all joy. Be joyous when you face temptations because those temptations try your faith. They try your muscles. They make you to become stronger in an area. And just like anything, in order for your muscles to grow, what do you need to do? Sit on the couch, watch TV, and drink soda, right? <laughs> No, you've got to work those muscles if you want those muscles to be strong. You know, that needs to be applied to our spiritual life as well. 
We've got to work our spiritual muscles in order for us to be spiritually strong. And the aspect of patience, I love it. It's, uh, if you get out of a, a, a dictionary, Webster Dictionary, I love the aspects that it brings across. Because uh, the dictionaries today just don't, don't quite fit it. But it says, having a quality of enduring evil without murmuring or fretfulness. Sustaining affliction of body or mind with fortitude, calmness, or Christian, or Christian submission to a divine will. Hmm. I love that. Because it brings across, and if you are demonstrating patience, that means you are trusting in the Lord, Christian. You're not sitting there going, when is this going to happen? Every second, my blood pressure is going up, tick by tick. That's not patience. <laughs> that ain't it. If we don't wait with the right attitude, we're not, we're not having patience. And here it says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your patience, trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4 says, And let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Love the fact that God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay children. He doesn't want us to be worrying and fretful and what's going to happen. No. Allow the hardships to come. There's a reason for it. There's a plan. There's a purpose. And I'm going to make you stronger for it. Sadly, I've seen a lot of young Christians who say, so why is it so hard? I've got to stand against my family or I've got to do this. Or, hey, you know what? It's part of it. It's hard. Yes, it's hard. But we have heaven to look forward to. We don't have the same eternal destination. We now have a new family. We have a new God. We have so many things are new. Allow this strengthening time to take its place in your life. And verse 5 goes on. It says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth every man liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Again, that aspect of praying and seeking God's guidance and direction. This, talking about this aspect of patience and faith growing, reminds me of a time that, a few years ago, our third, Abigail, was born. And when she was born, she was born three weeks early. And it scared us a little bit because you know, she, my wife went into early labor. Well, after the baby was born, uh, she had an emergency C-section. The baby came out, and she could not breathe on her own. And it scared us a little bit. It was like, oh, well, why can't she breathe on they, they took her into the NICU, and we came to realize that she could die. She could, because she couldn't breathe on her own, they put her, hooked her up a bunch of machines, hoping that her body would respond well to the medicines. But as we, my wife and I sat there in the hospital, we came to the realization that she could die. And that shook us to the core. It's like, wow, God, we, we don't want our baby to die. You know, and when we read scripture, we realize that children are a gift of God. And how dare I get angry at God if God uses that gift for something else? One of the things that my family and I prayed about constantly was, God, use us as an example. Use us for a testimony for who you are. Use us, please, Father, that we can, we can share your gospel through how we live our family. Because a lot of the families in both Saipan and Palau both aren't, aren't there. They don't have the family structure like we see here. That it, they, they, they struggle at it. In Palau especially, it's common to see a woman with uh, four and five kids by four or five different men, and she's there looking for another boyfriend at that time. So that family structure isn't there like we see here. 
And as we're there in the hospital, it was, a, it was a faith growing time for my wife and I both to say, God would give our child back to you for your honor, for your glory. Please, we don't want her to die. But if she does, what are we going to do? We're going to keep trusting in you. And as you can see her running around here, she made a full recovery. She was, she's fine. And it was just that faith growing. What am I going to do when this trial, this temptation, this hardship comes in my life? What am I going to do? Am I going to allow the patience to have its perfect work? Am I going to rest in the Lord, relying on him? Or am I going to take things in my own hands? Well, it was a faith-growing experience for us, and we trusted in the Lord, and she made it through just fine. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 reiterates this aspect of patience, reiterates how we can stand in difficulties. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Wherefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does this peace, where does this hope come from? Simply put, as we see, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand. We don't have to live under this situation, bogged down, heavy by what is happening around us. No, it's through Jesus Christ we can stand in faith. Next, and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, not only can we stand and rejoice in Jesus Christ and the hope that he provides, but said not only so, but we glory in, what's that next word? Tribulation. So we're supposed to delight ourselves in the Lord. We're supposed to count it all joy when he fall into diverse temptation. And here again, we're supposed to glory in tribulation. Well, that's hard. But here it says we glory in tribulation also. Why? Knowing this, that tribulation worketh patience. Yes, we don't want to say, well, yes, we get that in our head. We don't want to pray for patience because, you know, tribulations, trials, temptations, difficulties are going to come. Yes, but that's wrong for us to have that attitude. Do you want to be stronger, Christian, or do you want to be a weak Christian? In order for strength to come, you got to work them muscles. And it's never easy at first. You get that at the first couple of days you get started, you get ache, you get pain, you get tired. But the more you work it, the easier it is. The more you work it, the more you work it, you find, hey, you find yourself hurting if you don't do it because you want to keep making those muscles stronger. Here this went on to say, and we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. I, I, this aspect of the uh, patience, experience, and hope also brings across when my last child was born, Elijah. When he was born, he was born nine weeks early. And again, he couldn't breathe on his own. He ended up spending about three weeks in the NICU on machines trying to help him breathe, giving him medicine. But one of the things that I had now, I had experience. And I had hope. Because I knew that God had taken care of Abigail. God's going to take care of my youngest son as well. And it says here, it says, and knowing this, that also, uh, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's awesome. When we get that experience and that hope, it helps us to remember that God 
loves us. Amen? So back to Psalms 37. How can I rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him? Because I know he loves me. Amen? When those difficulties come, when those hardships come, when, when those testing of my patience is there, I can rest patiently in the Lord, knowing that he is going to take care. Amen? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him that prospereth in a way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We see here constantly through this passage of scripture, God in his word is telling us, don't worry. Trust in the Lord. This evening, as we come to a conclusion, how is your daily walk with Christ? Are you trusting in him? Are you worried about something? Is there something that's not giving you that opportunity to rest and it keeps you up at night fretful? Oh, how is this going to happen? Oh, what's this and that? As a Christian, as a child of God, I can grow those spiritual muscles. I've experienced knowing that God is in charge. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, I can trust in him. Are you worried about something? You need to trust in the Lord. You need to delight thyself in the Lord, even when those hardships come. Because God wants to take care of you. But we have to trust him first, delight in him, and stay committed to keep going no matter what. My family and I are committed to carrying the gospel to the islands. We're going to keep going. We've, we've been out there. We've faced some difficulties. But we've also learned a few things along the way. We're going to stay committed. And it's through that commitment in him that we can rest patiently in him. This evening with heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there something that you're struggling with? Is God trying to get your attention in a particular area? Something that you need to wait patiently for? Give it to him tonight. God doesn't want us to to be worry-filled. Instead, he said, I'll take care of you. Trust in me. I'm allowing these things to happen in your life. I'll provide. I'll take care. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of, of hope that you offer. Thank you for the difficulties you send in my life and in our lives. It's not because you hate us. It's not because of anything but... If we trust in you, we can grow stronger with you. Father, help us each to take these truths to heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. If the Lord did something in your heart, the altar's open. God's talking, let's respond. I love that message. What he's saying is, God doesn't just say, don't worry, but he says to rejoice in him. The altar is open.